Alright everybody, welcome to the 36th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin, live from Rip City, and I got my man Sage, chilling in Southern Oregon. First early morning podcast we've ever done, and uh, woo, we look tired. We look haggard as hell, uh, but we are excited to still be podcasting. It is damn near May, and we have... You know, one of our f- most favorite guests, probably not Sage's mom's favorite guest, but mm. I think he'll get the job done. Evan, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Hey, have you guys ever had someone do the podcast when they've been drinking when they're drunk? No. Is this a first? I'm working on it. I mean, I want. I, we were going to do it last night and that would have been really interesting, but I literally poured. I wanted to take a shot in celebration with you guys, and because the game we didn't do it last night, I literally just have a shot glass on my counter sink that I saved full, and I'm gonna we're gonna I'm gonna cheers to the Blazers' victory. Do it. I know. What time is it? It's nine in the morning. Ten in the morning. <laughs> yep. It's it's nine. Do oh. work, bro. It's good. It's good whiskey. So cheers. I'm doing it right now. Cheers. This is good Pelman stuff. Cheers to the Blazers' uh, first round win. Ah, delicious. All right, let's go. I mean, I would have loved to have done the podcast last night, but between an extra long day at work and then a 7.30 start, I don't know what, maybe, I think this team just drained all of the emotion out of me because I got home and I literally went right to bed. And if you, anybody knows me, I'm usually up till 12, 1 a.m. in the morning. So an 11.30 uh, on a Friday night, that's super early for, for me. But it, it was the Trailblazers. I, I blame them. They had to go to the wire to beat the under uh the underhand clippers uh one oh six to one oh three. It took two Mason Plumley free throws to seal the deal. And if you guys could have seen me in the arena, everyone is standing up. I am just sitting there. I've got my foam finger in front of my face. I can barely see the basket. I can't bear to look like I just have like one <laughs> eye looking. And I'm just 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 begging. Just Mason, just make him. Just he knocks them down, and you know you're just relieved. As soon as they get the ball back, everyone's chanting defense. I'm up in 329, chanting no threes, no threes, no threes. <laughs> <laughs> that game messed with my emotions. And to be honest, I don't think I was the only one. It just felt that I was relieved that we beat that team because honestly, we should have ran those boys out of the gym. Man, like yo. If I had to write the script of how you'd react in that game, I I would have been close. I I just like practiced a bunch of deep breathing exercises. I've been through it before, close games. I, I get a little emotional, but I try to just stay calm. It messes with my emotions as well. I haven't been there before with this team, so it was a little stressful. Yeah, I totally. I mean, last night I stayed home. Uh, I have my little pug who loses his goddamn mind. I sent you guys a video. He like literally watches basketball with me and barks at the TV. And he was losing his mind. And I'm like, Kratos, you're freaking me out. Let's chill out for a second. <laughs> um, but I had, yeah, but, but yeah, to Sage's point, I mean, I've rooted, I, you know, we've been here before in like my sports fandom. I've, I've been rooting for teams that have been bad more than they've been good in my lifetime. So it's like, 
It, it, it was frustrating to watch because, I mean, to Dustin's point, we should have handled this team. I'm kind of shocked that the coaching staff didn't make adjustments going into game six to hand, to, for us to handle them more easily, especially at home. But, um, then you thank God for a win and we can, and we can move on now. And your point to rooting for teams being bad most of your life, I am wearing a New Orleans Saints shirt right now. So I've there been you there. Go. I've been there, my friend. Well, Dustin and I know with the Niners. I mean, people always like, oh, you root for the Niners. They, they're one of the more celebrated Super Bowl teams. But, yeah, not in our lifetime. So you know, I've seen one in 30, in 26 years of being a, a fan. Oh. Exactly. Hey, you've seen one, too. <laughs> yeah, I more love recently, that one. More I recently, yeah. One. I love that one. All yeah. right. So I don't expect speaking of Scott's. I was talking to the gentleman next to me and he was wondering, Hey, why didn't they make any adjustments out of the halftime? And I, you know, I perked up and I said, Hey, Terry Stott's good at making adjustments game to game, but in game, super stubborn. Where in the world was the help side defense, especially in the paint? Sage, we could have had you running off those curls and getting layups, getting free throw line jumpers. The bigs did not do a damn thing. There was no rotation and. It was like I was watching Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond do work all over again. Except it was Austin Rivers with one one and a half eyes being able to work that pick and roll like he was Chris Paul. It was unbelievably frustrating just to watch Austin Rivers get like 21 points, Crawford getting 28 points, doing the same thing. It was pick and rolls. That's how everything starts with and ends with the Clippers. It's not some magical offense they just run straight pick and roll and we just could not contain the point guard no i mean 50 points in the paint to a team without chris paul and blake griffin i don't see how that's acceptable if you're the trailblazers i mean thank god for the three-point line because that's really where the game was won la shoots 16 only connects on four whereas portland they go 14 of 32 which is 44 percent and they went. They started seven of seven in that third quarter, which really kept them in that game because you're giving up 34 points to the Clippers in that third quarter. We were actually trailing going into that fourth quarter. And where would we have been? Because we had Harkless and Aminu and other role players finally hit their jumpers in the third quarter. If they don't hit those shots, we are talking about going back to Los Angeles for a game seven. And as much as I love this team, it shouldn't have came down to third quarter three-point shooting. Um, why do you think it was so tough for them to put this Clipper team away? Do you think they're not used to playing with the pressure? Do you think their defense finally broke down after six games? A combination of both? Um, I would love both of your insights. Well, you got to add that the Clippers were fighting for their playoff lives, so they're not going to back down like Houston. To your point, though, Memphis was as well, but San Antonio, you know, maybe let them hang around for a quarter, a quarter and a half, and I expected that with Portland. I thought they should have put them away in the second half. The the talent on each team, even if they're fighting for their lives, the talent should have won out, in my opinion. Yeah, but you know, you know the deal with the defense, and the Clippers are the type of team to exploit our weakness at stopping pick and roll. That game didn't surprise me with the Clippers playing well. They had to. Yeah, and for my thing, I think a lot of it is mental, too. I mean, we've talked about it before, where there's not a lot of playoff experience with the Blazers. Even with the banged-up Clippers, you've got DeAndre Jordan, Paul Pierce, J.J. Redick, all these dudes who have logged a lot of playoff minutes. And I think mentally, going from, Dustin and you talked about the other day, going from 
we're playing with ha- with house money to Chris Paul and Blake Griffin getting hurt. Now it's like, don't fuck this up. Like, don't find a way to fuck this up. And we almost did, which is scary. But I mean, we talk about, oh, we shouldn't have made the playoffs to get a playoff to get a, a lottery pick. But now it's like this is proving that this is way more valuable. Getting these guys playoff experience and minutes. And now they're going to get two series worth. What? This is the second time since what, like two thousand, since we've gotten out of the first round. Yeah, two. This is the second time in the past three seasons the Portland's got out of the first round, and it's a little bit weird to me. I was thinking about it as I was walking home. It's like, yeah, we're one of the eight best teams in the league. But growing up in my childhood, the only blade the don't there was two types of Blazer teams I remember. There was the one and done where you go to the playoffs, you know you're gonna lose in the first round, or we're gonna either make the conference finals or the NBA finals runs. I've never, you know, it's been just recently that we've had teams that are just good enough to get past the first round, but where do they stop? So it'll be interesting going into this Warrior series, but I don't think Portland is even in this position without Mason Plumley. He became the first trailblazer to grab 10-plus rebounds in five straight playoff games uh, since Big Red Bill Walton in 77. He had uh, nine points, uh, two huge free throws, as I mentioned, 14 boards, four assists, two blocks. Do you guys see Plumlee playing the same type of role he did in Golden State or in, in Los Angeles against Golden State? Or is Stotts going to have to maybe get get Plumlee-type production out of another role player in this next series? i got to see it before I can say definitively. But I think Mason's going to have to produce big for uh, the Blazers to have even a chance. Yeah, I mean, the thing that Plumlee did this series, it's not, I feel like it's not like he was doing stuff that was so out of the realm of possible. Like, I wasn't shocked by it. It's not like he was out there knocking down 15-footers or going 8 from 10 from the free throw line. Like, he's getting these scrappy rebounds, which, I mean, he should be capable of doing. I don't understand. I don't see why he couldn't do that in the next series. Um, I mean, the the one revelation that's been great this series, we kind of knew it going into it, is that he's a really good distributor. When he gives the ball around the, the free throw line, the top of the key, they give him the ball, and then it's he makes a decision of where to go on the wings with it. I don't see why he couldn't do that. Like, like I said, I wasn't shocked with what he was doing. He put up great numbers, but it's like, all right, that's within his realm of what he could do. Um, the matchup that really scares me is Draymond Green versus either Aminu or Harkless. That's the one that, that really, that I'm worried about. We might get some, we might see some Von Lay minutes this round just simply because of foul trouble. And I think that this is going to be the round where a lot of us are going to be like, man, I wish Myers Leonard wasn't hurt. So he could get the game. The Trailblazers won. Myers didn't play at all until garbage time. And it was actually Von Lay who disrupted a lot of the things the Warriors wanted to do in their offense. I remember distinctively seeing him go up top to Draymond and just harass him as soon as he crossed the court or got the ball in his hands. Uh, he was very active. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't get hardly any time in this Clipper series, so you could say he has playoff experience, but he really doesn't. Do you throw him in there now? Um, that I'm not sure. You might do that if you come back down to Portland 0-2, uh, but right now, like, like you said, Evan, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, it's probably going to be Chief. He's got a little more beef on him uh, to go up against Draymond. But yeah, I mean, the, I'll go for it. I mean, his his ability to switch on defense is a thing. Exactly. That, yep. Well, that was my point. Is that if the Myers thing that that would benefit us is that to your point, that Draymond can switch on defense. So if, if a guard setting a pick, or if he's uh, if he's getting a pick set, then he can take the guard, and then whoever was guarding that guard has to defend. Mm-hmm. It's a menu now, but if it was Myers. 
he's not the best post player, but you can feed him the ball and either make them force them to double him or just have someone like Clay Thompson or Sean Livingston try to defend Myers in the post. But when you have someone like Aminu, then it's like, all right, well, that's more manageable for those players. Like, all right, I can handle that more than a seven foot three dude. You know, and speaking of Aminu and Harkless, I thought Aminu had overall a solid series. Um, he won this game four single handedly. So just by that alone. He was my X Factor, by the way, in the yeah. series. <laughs> Even though, I mean, obviously Plumley Plumley was the MVP. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, you know, you look at Aminu, averages, you know, almost 13 points, but just 36% from the field, uh, 29 from three, does give 8.8 boards, 2.2 assists, and played great defense. But if you take away his game four three-point shooting, which was 6 of 10, he only goes 6 of 31 in the entire series, which is 19%. Compare that to last year when he was with the Mavericks and started against uh, the Rockets. He shot 64% from three. Make no mistake about it, Aminu needs to shoot the ball more consistently. I think a lot of the players need to shoot the ball more consistently. We saw way too many sub-50% shooting performances from this team against the Clippers, and now you're talking about going up against the 73-win Warriors. doesn't matter if they have Curry for the first three or four games or not. They're still a fantastic team, and we're going to have to shoot the ball a little bit better because, to be honest, we're just missing a lot of open shots still. Yeah. I mean... People are saying Dame should take advantage of Sean Livingston, but Sean Livingston's like a top three defensive point guard in the league. Dude is no slouch on the defensive end. And, I mean, as a backup point guard, he has to be top two. The only dude I can think about who's as good or better is Jeremy Lin. Shout out to him. But it, it's going to be an interesting series to see how Dame handles the pressure of Sean Livingston. Yeah, I mean, ironically, when Steph is healthy, our backcourt is a problem for Golden State because Steph Curry is a good defender. Like, I'm not saying he's bad at all, but they when they play teams, he does defend the weaker player on defense, so he doesn't have to waste as much energy on offense. And because we have a backcourt that's so dynamic, him and Klay Thompson have to defend Dame and CJ when they're playing well. And so when you make him do stuff on defense, then he's not as fluent on offense. So... Livingston, conversely, though, he's obviously more of a distributor. He's not going to be shooting nearly as much as, as Curry. Um, so, that, I mean, that's why one of the reasons I think that the backcourt is a good, uh, not a bad matchup. I know Clay Thompson and Steph are freaks, but being able, making both of them work on defense is, is huge, and they don't play a lot of teams that do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the backcourt's going to be huge. And you look at Dame, who finally got some room to breathe. He wasn't double teamed at every single opportunity. Uh, and he made the Clippers pay. He had 28 points, uh, got to the line seven times, knocked down four trays, seven boards, five, re- or, excuse me, seven assists, five rebounds, and very key, just one turnover. Uh, McCollum had chipped in 20 for the series. The two guards combined for almost 42 points per game. Unfortunately, they're going to have to play even better. Uh, that's tough to say, but on the bright side, You've got to feel good. Like Evan said, the backcourt has had their way against the Warriors this year. I don't think we'll see the type of strategy, the trap, the ball handler at the top of the the key or as soon as they cross half court as much as the Clippers did. That was their number one strategy. But you mentioned Dame and Sean Livingston. I'm not too worried because Lillard plays lights out against this Warriors team. We all know he had the career high 51 right after the All-Star break. He averaged about 37 
uh, six made threes, uh, seven made free throws, and seven assists against this Warrior team in four games. And McCollum wasn't half bad either, uh, 18.5 points, 40% from field, and almost 50% from three. Um, so they're combining to hit maybe nine made threes a game. That's what you love to see. And it's going to be the, the number one backcourt in the NBA once Steph returns versus the number two backcourt. And our guys are really going to have to hold their own for us to have a, a puncher's chance in the series. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because we talked about going into the Clippers series, how we were the team the Clippers didn't want to play. And and now we're going into the Warriors season series, even with the Clippers healthy, because in the back of the, the Warriors' minds, they have to remember that we beat them down once. They only lost nine times, and one of them was to us. I mean, I'm sure they're thinking we can beat either team, but I, even with them healthy, you'd have to think like they would rather play the Clippers than us. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with them being hurt, they would they would have much rather played the Clippers. But because um, I mean, and that's the whole thing with the, the Clippers Blazers series that people, you know, people in the national media are like, oh yeah, the Blazers win because they got hurt. But I mean, we were ahead in Game Four. We let the fire in Game Four too. Yeah. So before those guys got hurt, we did and. Look, I mean, I obviously no one roots for injury, but like it's we were texting about this earlier about how it feels weird to be on the other side of the injury plague because we know exactly what that feels like. Yep. So and I mean, Myers Leonard's hurt. Not that he's a super duper star, but I mean, he he was a rotational player for sure. Um. So, yeah. What do you guys think? about the Blazer bench. I thought they started to play a little bit better as the series went on. They still didn't win the bench battle again. Uh, Sage, you mentioned Crawford had 32. Did take him 25 shots to do that. Portland still gets outscored 38 to 25. Not getting super great production out of Hendo outside of that 16-point performance in Game 1. Ed Davis has been extremely quiet. Um, just four points and seven rebounds. No blocks. One total seal. Um, in a really low field goal percentage, 43% for him over the course of those six games. However, if you're looking for a bright spot for the Blazer bench, it could be Alan Crabb. We said he was MIA. Is he on a milk carton? You know, put it, put him on there. Maybe somebody will find him. Well, if you look in games one through three, goose egg in game two, goose egg in game three, six points in game one. He has had 36 total points games four through six, 46% from the field. And 46% from three, excuse me, and 58% from the field over the course of those final three games. If you're looking for silver linings for the bench, it's got to be Alan Crabb. He looked like the stage was a little too bright for him in the first three games, but he really bounced back and looked like that player that we had in January and February. I felt like that last game of our bench contributed in their small ways. They helped win this game. I mean, Ed Davis just could not be on the court when DeAndre was on the court. He just got abused every time. Which is weird because he was the best big man we had all season against the Clippers. Yeah, but dude was just... I cringed any time that DeAndre was on the court with Ed because DeAndre was just beasting him. It wasn't It wasn't even a competition. Dude was just dominating him every time those two were matched up in the post. Like, Ed would foul... I mean, he's just not as bulky as DeAndre. Well, yeah, I mean, DeAndre has proven that, like, he's such an asset just defensively. Like, we talk about, like, guards and defensive guards, right? Damian Millard is, is labeled as a guard that's not that good at defense. But it, a lot of that has to do with what's behind you after a pick and roll. And, like, Chris Paul obviously is one of the best defenders in the league, but it also doesn't hurt to have DeAndre Jordan who's going to clog the paint every time. And the clean up is- his mess. 
yes, the Blazers don't have that. Like, I love Mason Plumlee, but he's no DeAndre Jordan defensively. Russell Westbrook's got dudes like Steven Adams, or Cantor's not a great defender, but he's a big body. Ibaka. Hey, high five. Yeah. So, I mean, so that it, it's I, that's why I think it's unfair. Whenever they talk about players being bad at defense, I don't think I don't think there's necessarily anyone that's really good at defense. I think it's either you try or you don't try. Like, I don't even know if James Harden is bad at defense. He just doesn't try. Like, literally, he puts in no effort. So, I don't know if I've ever seen him try to play defense. At least Damian tries to play defense. Um, but a lot of it, you need an anchor in the back, which I think that the Blazers are probably, I mean, whole nother story, but I think they'll probably try to address this offseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think at this point, you just get what you can take in. Um, what do you think about the mentality of the Trailblazers? Uh, like we said, you're in the conference semifinals, essentially the Elite Eight. You still kind of play with that, oh, we're just happy to be here. Anything that we do is gravy, or is it now, shit, we are literally, 12 games away from winning a championship. I know it's unlikely the Blazers are winning a championship, but still, you are one of the eight remaining teams. I would think the mindset has to shift a little bit from, oh, we're just glad to be here, too. Let's win this shit. Let's make some noise. Let's continue to shock the goddamn world. I think you got I think that the Blazers have to play with that chip on their shoulder. Like, they didn't even expect us to win 30 games type of mentality because once they start feeling like they belong, I don't know if they'll play with the fire and the, the hustle that they showed in games three through six. So I, I think that they have to really just be hungry and say, fuck this shit. We're trying to win it all. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree totally. Like the whole mentality was you're not going to win 26 games and then you're not going to make the playoffs. And then with help from the Rockets, the Mavs, the Grizzlies, you're not going to be a five seed. Cause let's face it, if we're a six or six through eight seed, we're not advancing. And then it took a little bit of injury help too. But I think that their mentality, honestly, I think that they should even think big picture like that. I honestly think that they, they, they should think that they have a chance against Golden State and their goal is to win one of these next two games to steal one in Golden State. That should be their goal. I know that in, in the Clipper against the Clippers, we dropped the first two and then we won four straight, but that's obviously was helped out with injury. But with this, I think their mentality shouldn't even be thinking like shock world and all that. Just, just get one game in Golden State. Just get one. Yeah. And it's going to be tough to get one in Golden State. The Warriors dismantled the Rockets pretty easily, uh, 4-1. They outscored Houston by 60 points over the last six quarters without Steph Curry, and their average margin of victory was almost 24 points per game. So if anyone is thinking it's going to be easy, even without Steph, think again. This team knows how to play. Sean Livingston is a great conductor out there. You still have got Klay Thompson. You still have got Draymond Green. still have one of the best benches in the league. They know how to play as a team, just like Portland does. So it's going to be tough. And I think when you're looking at a series like Golden State, you look at it like you approach the Clippers series, the first two games. Yes, you want one game, but at least make them competitive. Portland, I think, dodged a huge bullet by losing by 20-plus points in one and two and still coming back and winning three and four. I don't think that's going to happen against the Warriors. You're going to have to play a lot more competitive early on. And to honestly have a chance, you got to get one of those first two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, there's a really good chance that Game 3 Steph is going to be back. It's not until next Saturday. So there's a decent chance that he will be a decent. I mean, depends on what, depends on what happens in the first two games. If they win the first two games, then maybe they're going to be like, no, nah, we're not going to play in Game 3. Yeah, isn't his 
that we reevaluated. Reevaluated would be next, not this upcoming Monday, but next Monday. That would be the two weeks. So, oh, would it really? Yeah. It'd be, it'd be, here's the thing. It'd be interesting if we get one in Golden State, if they reevaluate the reevaluation, if we got one in Golden State. Yeah, I still think that's a really short side on the Warriors' part, and I would be very shocked if they did that because you're playing with the most valuable player in all of basketball. He's like the best offensive weapon since Wilt Chamberlain. You gotta, and you gotta take, you gotta be. Safe you gotta with take him. your time, and if 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 it takes seven games to beat the Blazers instead of five, so be it. And you know, and you know, they're hoping for a bloodbath in that OKC San Antonio oh series. God, yeah. Well, I they're think hoping. get that. I think that's going seven. I'd be very shocked if that doesn't go seven. Yeah, and and the Warriors would love that. So. So before we move on to the Warriors series, any last thoughts on the Clippers? What stood out to you guys? Uh, yeah. Well, let's talk briefly. Is this it for the Clippers? Are they going to blow this up? I don't think so, and only because of the injury. However, I would put it just basically out of out of my mind, my speculation, thirty to forty percent chance they do move Blake Griffin. Uh, I think they there might be some wheels to that LeBron Carmelo. Chris Paul super team forming in the Clippers. Uh, and I think Griffin is a great avenue to get one of those pieces to Staples Center. It's it's interesting from what I had read that there might be some feeling that Blake Griffin felt that he was rushed back from his quad injury and that he was not too happy about that. So it's it would be interesting to see if he gets traded in, even if he has like some type of wrong feelings towards the medical staff or trying to bring him back. Because um, he didn't look right. Even no. when he was playing, he did not look right. He did not look like his normal self. So that whole thing is interesting. Obviously, DeAndre, you just re-signed him, so he's there. Um, and then Chris Paul is getting up there. I mean, he's logged a lot of minutes, but, I mean, he's still a top 10 player in the league. So and it'll be interesting. His knees are just messed up, man. Chris yeah. Paul really messed up his knees in New Orleans, and he's never been that type of dude. And he's 30. I mean, yeah. I know in the grand scheme of things, that's not old, but 30 mm-hmm. with that much playoff basketball is pretty old. The, the one thing I wouldn't be shocked if it happened is if they step in and say, Doc, you're not president, GM, or you're not making those decisions. You're just the coach. Because it's hard to make that stuff work, and it rarely happens. And, like, he didn't make the best moves. He brought in Josh Smith. That didn't work. I mean, Stevenson. he brought Stevenson. Didn't work. Austin Rivers played really good this series, but, I mean— before this series, does he even have a, a job on an NBA team if it isn't for his dad? I don't know. And to be fair, any point guard, backup or starting, gets buckets against this Blazers team. There you go. And with like 38 minutes a game, you got to produce. Yeah, bring, he brought in Paul Pierce towards the end of the season. He's getting DNPs. So Trade first round pick for Jeff Green. I mean, yeah. This sort of stuff, I know this doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about, but what you're talking about is what scares me about Tom Thibodeau in Minnesota. Oh, I put more trust in Thibodeau, though. And he's already, like, the, the, the young talent he has already on that roster is scary. Like, ooh. But they, him say, being the GM it, and... though, you can have a lot of talent, but it's the little moves that get you from, you know, just making the playoffs to advancing. And we should feel very fortunate that we have a guy like Neil O'Shea. I oh. tweeted out again last night, friendly reminder, Neil O'Shea picked up Mo Harkless for a top 55 that's so ridiculous. The Orlando basically just gave us more. <laughs> and Harkless had himself a series, you know, 14 points in game six, four huge trays. He averaged 13 points, six like, boards. How old is he? 
33 from three. He doubled his season average in the playoffs. What a goddamn boss. Like, what a freaking find. Like, that's he like 22. Is he like 22 or 21? Well, he was class of 2012 draft and he came out at 19, so he might be he's 22. 20, he's 22 according to Wikipedia. Yeah, so. Yeah. I mean, who who is the Orlando GM? And my God, they do not like having wings. It's they the, traded Tobias for nothing. And then yeah. they traded Mo Harkless for essentially, I mean, nothing. If it ha- if we give up that second round pick, that's awesome. That means we're elite. So it's fine. Yeah. And second round picks are literally nothing. Well, and we've proven this this season, we've proved that we're not a young lottery or playoff pick away from being good anymore. We're good. We're a free agent or trade away from being an even better team. It's not going to be some kid in the draft that's going to take us from 44 ones this year to 52 next year. That's not, not going to be the case. Yeah. We're already one of the youngest teams in the NBA. You're not going to get a lot of trade value out of a late lottery pick in this draft, especially when like two or three prospects are returning to school. It's really not a deep draft as it once maybe could have been early on in this season. But let's look ahead to the Warriors. Uh, They beat us three out of the four times. And just a quick recap, the first meeting was in Portland on January 8th. Portland lost at 128 to 108. Dame did have 40. But Clay had 36. That was the game where he just jumped out of the gun and had, I believe, 17 or 19 first quarter points. And you can't let Clay do that. The next game was the Trailblazer victory right after the All Star break in Portland on February 19th, 137 105, just stomping of the defending champs. They're easily their most lopsided loss of the year. Dame drops a career high 51 points. Uh, and then the final two were in Golden State. Uh, March 11th, lost 112 or excuse me, 128 to 112, Clay again with 37. And then on April 3rd, 136 to 111, this game was actually much closer than the final score indicated. It got a little bit away from the Trailblazers over the final six minutes of that game. Steph had 39, Draymond had 10 boards and 10 assists. And when a team wins 73 games and you can beat them once, and that one time is a 32-point blowout, I think Portland, of all teams, holds up pretty high in terms of regular season performance against this Golden State team. Yeah. This, oh, God. So the four scores you said that they put up, like, God damn, they score a lot of points on us. Yeah. Like, holy shit, they score a lot of points on us. They do. They, I mean, they they average like 114 a game. In general? Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, it, it, no, no, but yeah, back to, back to your point. I mean, yeah. It's interesting because a lot of their nine wins were against non-playoff teams, right? There were a lot, like, they had some weird, lo- or a lot of their losses. Uh, yeah, Oregon. they lost to Denver, the, the Lakers, didn't they? Bucks. The Bucks, the Lakers. Dallas, I think, beat them. Wasn't Dallas, Dallas their first loss? Them. They didn't lose to the Clippers. Yeah. Spurs? <laughs> Spurs once. Yeah. yeah, they did lose to Spurs once. It's it's so crazy to think that at the end of a season that we could rattle off not our non-favorite teams all their losses because they had so few. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, to your question about should we feel good or should this Blazer team feel good about the one win? They absolutely should, and it wasn't that long ago. That was an interesting game, though. It was right after the All-Star break, so there's you know there's a chip on Dame's shoulder. He scored his career high in that game, 51. He was not at the All-Star game. He was not selected even by the coaches. Um, 
so that was that whole weird thing. And I know that I have a friend who's a Warriors fan. He's like, yeah, you guys won that game because, you know, Steph and Draymond and Clay were out all-star week, all week, even though they have a full I week called off. on that statement. That's, yeah. Well, no, I know. That's a Warriors no, fan but I'm saying just that. saying the all-star break isn't what it used to be. It's not, it's okay, we're going to end the season or end the first half of the season on a Wednesday and you're going to play on a Monday. They gave those dudes week. 10 days to recoup. So tell your friend we say bullshit. Oh, I, t- I say it all we the time. We said that dude. on record, I, too. I say it to his face all the time. <laughs> I say, Davey, you're full of bullshit. <laughs> you even said it on a podcast using government name. Yeah, d- well, Davey, I don't know if it's on his birth certificate, but he knows. Davey, if you're, I'm going to make you listen to this. You're full of shit as a, as a Warriors fan. But he's a Niners fan, so it's like, eh. <laughs> and, and actually, I, I was uh, slightly off. The Warriors average 115 a game. Oh. Not 14, so they they get buckets. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But I mean, with the first two to three games, they're not going to have the guy who did Steph lead the. Was it Steph or Harden that led the league in scoring? Was it James? Yeah. Was it Steph? James Harden right behind him. Yep. Okay. And yeah. Steph did it probably in three quarters, or yeah, three. he played set out a lot of fourth quarters this year. And so, I do have one thing I'm scared about. Go ahead. Go ahead. So against the Clippers, this is some adjustment they're going to have to make. Against the Clippers, they JJ Redick on, you know, obviously hobbled, did very well coming off those screens on the perimeter, curling up the screens and getting wide open for a jumper. If I'm the Warriors and with Clay Thompson, I'm saying, oh, we're going to do that so much because JJ Redick a few times got really hot doing that. And I think that I'm scared about that. And I think that's an adjustment the Blazers are going to have to figure out. Yeah, I'm just scared about Clay Thompson in general. We've mentioned on the podcast numerous times when previewing the Warriors, he is the X factor. You cannot let him go for 30 to 35 because when Steph comes back, you know he's guaranteed at least 30. 30 is just what this dude averages on a mundane day. So it could be 40 on any given night. Clay Clay is the guy you really have to keep in check. And when Portland beat them, he didn't have as, as, you know, as catastrophic of a, if an impact. So and how he did that early on when he did have those big quarters was just spot up threes, lazy transition defense, you know, poor rotations. He, as good of a shooter as he is, I don't think he's as good as JJ Reddit coming off the curl. He's pretty much, you know, top cream of the crop when it comes to that type of shot. So as long as it's contested, I'll live with it. It's when Clay Thompson gets those wide open looks that you can almost say lights out. Do you, do you think that Moharkos guards Clay Thompson? Uh, Clay Thompson, and then CJ guards Barnes, and then Dame guards Livingston. Yeah, I think CJ and Dame will switch off between yeah. Barnes and Livingston, but you've definitely got to have Harkless on. Clay. Yeah, see, this is where you miss a Wesley Matthews right here because he he would rise the occasion to guard Clay. He would love to do it. I want to put a taller defender on Clay just to frustrate him. So Mo Harkless is going to be the guy. And then Aminu, Aminu's got to guard Draymond. Yeah. I do think we're going to see a little bit of Vonley this series, if nothing else, because of foul trouble. I mean, Draymond's really good. And Vonley Really can, crappy. I mean, Vonley has athleticism. Uh, that's very important in this series. So if you're the Blazers and Golden State trots out their Livingston, Thompson, Barnes, Iguodala, Draymond, super small, super effective lineup, how do you counter that if you're Portland? That's five minutes of basketball. Um, well, you got if, if that's like a crunch time thing. I mean, I love as a defender with his uh, how disruptive he can be. I love Alan Crabb as a defender. Like he he interrupts passing lanes quite a bit. 
he knocks down passes. Um, I think he will be, I'm hoping he's going to be in the mix. Like we talk, I, I hyped him up before the Clippers series in the first three games. He didn't do shit, but the, the past few games he played pretty well. Um, I'm hoping he can get over that, but he'll probably get some minutes in Hendo. Who was the five you said? You said Livingston, Thompson. Livingston, Thompson, Barnes, Iggy. I mean, see, that's the thing. If Ironically, because we don't have Myers, that's actually not terrible for us because we do have a lot of wing players like Harkless, Aminu, Henderson, and Crab. And none of those guys are terrible defenders. Some of them are actually pretty good. Um, that would be an interesting lineup. I mean, I, as a Blazer fan, I wouldn't necessarily mind that. Like, a team like the Clippers would have a really hard time with that. But that actually plays to the fact that we don't have someone like Myers Leonard available. And, um, I mean, I guess at center, you'd either play Davis or Plumlee. The way Plumlee's been playing, you've got to play Plumlee. He's been playing lights out. I'd probably play Dame CJ, Crab, Harkless, and Aminu. Try that small lineup. Ooh, that is a tiny lineup. Yeah, well, man. Having Aminu guard Draymond Green, it's essentially, instead of them being the power forwards, they're the centers. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, if Plumlee's just playing unbelievably well, screw it. But I would want to see uh, Aminu guard. Uh, I do well. like that lineup because we have one through five. All those guys can step out and shoot threes. And all those they'll guys be can. able to switch on pick and rolls. Every, yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole point. That's the whole Warrior strength, right? Their strength of their defense is that they switch on everything and they can do it. All right, boys. What are your X factors going into game one or this series, whichever? Uh, mine's going to be – it's so funny to say this because the past few seasons when we've made the playoffs – it's always been, we have one of the best starting fives, but the bench is really bad. And now in certain, I know the bench was hit or miss in the first round, but throughout the season, the bench has saved us in a lot of, in a lot of instances. So I think the X factor is going to be, the starting line has to hold water, and then the bench has to come in and compete with their bench, which is freakishly good too. Um, but I think it's going to be the, the play of Crab Henderson. Ed Davis has got to step up the series, which he did in last series. He's got to step up. So my, my X factor is the bench. That's a very good X factor. Thank you. And mine's a cop out because I just listed like four guys, but <laughs> the bench unit. Because again, the past few seasons, the knock on the Blazers is one of the best starting lineups. But once they go out, we're fucked mm-hmm. because the bench was terrible. But not the case anymore. What's your Sage? I just want to say consistency for the entire team. I feel like if we're trying to compete with the best team in NBA history, we got to be hitting on all cylinders. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. For me, it's one, the three-point line. Uh, prepare to see a lot of threes taken in this series. In the game uh, back in March, Portland attempted 36. Golden State attempted 40. The 76 was an NBA record for combined threes. That trend is not going to change. I think Portland needs to hit, on average, between 13 to 15 threes a night. That's just how they're going to get it done. You're not going to stop this Warriors team on offense. You're going to have to outscore them in a shootout. Also, first quarters, we cannot get down by 10, even eight points. Keep it competitive. Make it as close as you can going to the fourth and then strike. And then lastly, it's got to be the Blazer backcourt. They combined for about 41, 42 points per game against the Clippers. That's got to go up probably five or more points, 47 to 50 is what you're really going to need out of Dame and CJ. And Dame's going to have to go, Dame or CJ is going to have to go nuclear in one or two of these games, getting 40 plus, because that's how you win when you get 
down to the nitty gritty, the elite eight of the NBA, your best player is just going to say, hop on, I'm going to take you to victory. So those are my three X factors. Now that we have those out there, what's your prediction for game one and the series, Evan? Oh, man. I think, first off, congrats to you. You predicted the Blazers in six against the Clippers. I know you didn't predict a Chris Paul and Blake Griffin injury, but you did predict Blazers in six. Thank you, my friend. Um, I think that the, I think the Warriors are going to win game one. They've been sitting for a while. Um, I could totally see a young team like ours riding this emotional high from getting out of the first round when no one expected us even to win 30 games. So I could see that getting, getting us in a little bit of trouble. So I think the Warriors are probably going to win game one tomorrow. Um, I mean, I think, I think the Blazers can get a game. I think they can get the home game. So I'm going to say Warriors in five. I got a question about, uh, do you think the Blazers are going to try and dirty this game up and play slower pace wise? No, no, I don't think so. The game one, they pushed the pace like they were the Nash Suns and they took good shots. They were a little bit quick, but they got open. You've got to beat the Warriors at their own game. I don't think you can play Memphis Grizzly style basketball and expect to, to, to beat Golden State. Because the, the conventional wisdom is less possessions, it, it benefits the worst team. But for our team, I don't think it would be good. But yeah, wisdom didn't have to defend Curry and Thompson. Yeah, well. and I think it, it's it's ironic. The, the one game that we beat the Warriors, I think the Warriors want you to play to, to their style because they know that they can play better than you. And the, the one game that we beat them, we we just punched them in the mouth and played them better than that. And I think that that's the way you're going to have to win, is that you're just going to have to try to be better on that night than they are. You have, that game. Play, you have to play defense. That's what we did. We only gave up 105 points to them. That's 10 under their season average. So you you do have to play perfect to beat this team. It's create, you know, as daunting of a task as that sounds, that's just the, the way it is for this Trailblazer team. And... Uh, I well, my my thing is I don't think that we have the personnel to slow it down. I think the Spurs would play that way. Sure, I think they would. I think they would try to change the tempo and play their way. But I think the way our team is constructed, it wouldn't work. Mm. Agreed. I'm gonna say Warriors and six. Who, who do you have winning game one? Golden State. Golden State. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I think the quick turnaround, like Evan said, it could work in our favor or not. We could be emotionally drunk off of that victory. And, you know, it's an early start. It's a 12.30 start, so we're looking in about 26 hours. We're playing basketball again with a young team who a lot of them are experiencing their first series win. How are they going to react? Uh, Steph will not be there for game one. But it, game ones traditionally for the underdog don't go too well. I mean, even when the Blazers were a great team, you look at 92, Jordan gives us the shrug. 2000 against the Lakers, they beat us by like, 35, you know, of course that series went to seven. Um, game ones traditionally, I think, work better, much better for the home team. They're much more comfortable. So I've got Golden State winning the first one. And yeah, I think this is Warriors and six. I would be absolutely thrilled if it goes six because if you tell me preseason Blazers beat the Clippers in six, then take a 73 win Warriors team to six games, Steph Curry or not, hell yes. So let's get this to six. I mean, who knows? When you get past that five, six game mark, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. So and just either way, how fun is this? Like, how much fun are we having? Oh, exactly. it's yeah, it's much better than hoping for ping pong balls. Like our, like our guy Espo said, enjoy this ride, Rip City. But before we sign off, Sage wanted me to tell this story about how I duped him into thinking his favorite player got traded. Oh, <laughs> it's around trade deadline season. It was a couple years ago. 
Ryan Anderson's always the type of player who's on the block. And I text him, I was like, dude, your boy Ryan just got traded. Like, Rhino's gone. <laughs> and he, he worked for the team. So I thought I, he had inside information. I, I worked for the team. And I, I sat on the information for, it was a couple hours. And I was like, no, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> oh. But you bought Did you have a heart attack? Like, like, he was like, oh, I'm I, I don't see anything. I checked every Pelican's uh, forum. I checked every single you like went to like the dark about, web looking for this. I was posting on the forum saying, I got inside information where we're oh, going to trade Ryan Anderson for Myers Leonard. And oh. you know what's messed up? When I think about it, Ryan Anderson was injured. You can't trade injured players. <laughs> but I was so overly emotional about Ryan Anderson, <laughs> I forgot everything. That is great. But with Ryan Anderson, I was like, it was only for Myers Leonard and no pick, no nothing. But why? Yeah, and you already have feelings for Myers, so that probably you should have known that he was fucking with you to begin with when he nope. brought up when he said Myers' name. Nope, I uh, he bought that hook, line, and sinker. I, oh and, man, and that—that's where I never trust Dustin with anything again. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, worth it. All right, Evan, you have got a dope new tee just in time for a Rip City Bay Area playoff clash uh tell tell our tell the listeners about it yeah so um so i run a clothing company called evan m it's a lot of portland based stuff um got a lot of cool blazer themed uh shirts i came out with this design is my second design I ever came out with one of my best selling shirts um but then i knew coming into the playoffs it was be, it would be a long shot if the blazers met the warriors because of the first round and then once CP3 and Blake Griffin went down and we won those few games, I hit up my dudes. I redesigned, I refreshed the design. I, I made it look um, a little bit more like the old school logo. I already had a dude online say, dude, you copied this one guy's design. And he sent me a picture of my shirt. And I'm like, uh, I designed that one too, bro. <laughs> um, but I was like, no worries, dude. Buy it anyways. Um, so yeah, so I hit up my guys literally two seconds after the buzz went off last night, posted online, already selling them pretty well. Um, but yeah, so basically it's a play off of the Warriors, the, the city design where it's the circle with the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, I changed it to Rip City and it's got the steel bridge and it says 503 where the numbers would normally be for another player on whatever Warriors team. Um, so I have it in black and white and then red and black. It's available now at evanem.com. It's E-V-A-N-E-M.com. Next Saturday, we're going to have an Evanem viewing party at, uh, at Mulligan's on Hawthorne. In here in Portland. So if you're not going to the game or if you go to the game and you want to come out afterwards, we'll be there and we'll be selling those shirts plus the game time shirts plus hats. And we'll, we'll do a few giveaways. I'm sure maybe I'll bring a few paintings and give a few paintings away or something. We'll do something fun. But, um, but yeah, check out evanem.com. It's E V A N E M.com. I, I, yo, bro, cause I've had to do all the voicing for thank you to Evan M for supporting this podcast. I know your website so well. Oh yeah. E V A N E M.com. I know. Whenever I tell to people, like I, people don't get the last part of it, so I always have to spell it. And it's well, yeah. yeah. You got to make sure that they can get to the site easily. So actually, just sure. saying the the letters, it makes it easier. Exactly. So go check it out. Like I said, I'm already starting to sell them, and I forgot. I think we ordered forty of each, maybe fifty of each. So they'll they'll go pretty quick. But um, but yeah, I will have them Monday, and I will be shipping them Monday Tuesday. So you will definitely if you order them now. You will definitely have them by Saturday, um, game three in Portland. Holy backboard code is active. I need, but yeah, so if you type in holy backboard at checkout, 
you get, I think it's 20% off of the blaze related items on my site. Take so. advantage of this offer. Rip city. Keep believing, keep enjoying this ride. Keep listening. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Give us that five-star rating. You can also find us on Stitcher and SoundCloud at Holy Backboard PDX. And as always, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Holy Backboard. Evan, thanks again so much for joining us this morning. Had a blast. Thank you for producing this amazing show. And let's go, Rip City. And Dustin has more embarrassing stories about me. So if we keep winning, we'll just share more embarrassing things that I have done in the past. Or I'll even share some of them. But, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's keep this up. Evan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for sponsoring this podcast. You're welcome. Yeah. E-V-A-N-E-M dot com. Mm-hmm. That check out. All right, boys. Thanks again. No, thank you guys. Talk to you guys later. Later. Let's go!